Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Greetings, fellow Fordians, and welcome to another episode of Investigating the Impossible with Tobias and Emily. As always, I'm Emily. And I'm Tobias. And today we have another exclusive interview for you. Today we have our friend T. Krulos, who runs the Milwaukee Paranormal Convention, as well as being a very accomplished author. So welcome to the show, T. Oh, thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Thanks thanks again for being here. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, for, for everybody listening, uh, you know, we've known T for a, a few years now, going back mm-hmm. to, I think, 2016. And, yep. And... Um, you know he's uh, he's accomplished a lot, uh, even in in the time that that we've known him. You know he's an accomplished journalist and, and author. Uh, you know wrote Heroes in the Night, uh, Monster Hunters, which of course is relevant to anybody listening to this. Definitely pick that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his latest book is uh, uh, American Madness, um, which gets into all kinds of, of conspiracies that are sort of immediately relevant to the the current state of of our union. And of course, like. Emily mentioned uh, he does also uh, run the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference, which, you know, honestly, that was our first conference. I that think, was that, that we went to, as, you know, as the Singular Fortean Society. Back so. when we had a media pass and no table. Yeah, no, that was the best. I yeah, I got a lot of fun memories about that. So, yeah, it's 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 great to to have you here, T. Um, you know, we usually like to start out by sort of introducing guests to our, our, our listeners. And I, I think one of the easiest way to do that, because specifically uh, the the people who will be tuning into this are sort of interested in weird topics, Fortiana, the paranormal and such. So I think usually the best way to go about that is just sort of ask, why weird stuff? You know, <laughs> like what, what, what got you into our, our corner of the, the weird world? You know, it's so interesting when I think back to the stuff that I loved to read when I was a kid, because uh, one of the first things that I learned how to read by myself uh, were superhero comic books. I love superheroes. Um, And then, you know, I love to go to the library and check out books on UFOs and Bigfoot and ghost stories. Um, Anything I could find at the library. Um, I have particularly fond memories of this series called Mysteries of the Universe by Time Life Books. <laughs> I have and, those. I do. I, right. I literally do, yeah. Uh, and they were they were great for someone my age because they were so colorful and they were full of pictures and illustrations and, um, you know, they're, they're pretty easy to read. So I, I read all of those books and um, I also liked a lot of, like, adventure and, and mystery novels and stuff like that. And it's really funny because uh, that fiction stuff that I consumed when I was a kid, I feel really helped inform the nonfiction books that I would write myself later because most of them are kind of about blending that uh, fiction with reality a little bit. That's an interesting point. Um, you know, and it's, it's something I've, I've sort of thought about myself, uh, maybe not in exactly the same way, because I do often recognize the, the influence that uh, folklore and myths and legends and, and, and all of that has on uh, uh, fictional narratives often. Um, but in your experience then, uh, being interested in, in that, that kind of fiction, um, 
would you say, I, I guess to kind of get into more specifically how it's really helped you out, um, would, would you say that when you are writing about these sometimes purportedly nonfiction uh, topics, that you sort of approach them from a stance of, of disbelief, you know, sort of treating them like fiction in a, a, a way, because often they are far from proven. Yeah. Um, well, I think I have sort of a natural skepticism um, that really sort of developed when I became interested in journalism and started writing. But, you know, I, I think that I do have a fairly open mind. Uh, I don't think that I have all the the answers to the mysteries of the universe. <laughs> um, so I always kind of approach things skeptically, but genuinely interested in finding out uh, how much of it may or may not be true and 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 find out where the story goes. I think that's great. Uh, you know, that's, that's that's a very honest way to approach these these subjects. It's more than fair. Um, you know, I and I have to ask though. Now you've done some uh, some ghost tours and, and things like that too. Uh, have you ever had a a paranormal experience? Like, have you ever had anything happen to you that that, that was just so weird you couldn't explain it? Yeah. Um, so when I was writing my book Monster Hunters, uh, I wanted to write a chapter about Bigfooting, and um, it was actually Lauren Coleman uh, sent me in the direction of a guy named Jim Sherman. Uh, hmm. He was a BFRO, uh, which is Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Uh, he was their, their guy in Michigan, and he was on to a case in central Michigan, which sounded really interesting. Uh, so I went out there, and we spent a weekend camping out in, a, in the forest near a farmland. Uh, and, you know, it, it was very interesting. He's a very nice guy, and he, he, he taught me a lot about, like, different methods that he used out in the field. Uh, but then the last night um, of, of the expedition, we never found Bigfoot or, or any evidence of Bigfoot. But late at night on the last night we were on this expedition, I looked up in the sky, and I saw... Uh, this giant uh, orb that was glowing and kind of hovering and then zipping from one spot to another really fast. Uh, and me and Jim looked at this thing through binoculars for a while. We did shoot some video of it, but uh, it was very hard to focus on this thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, so I, I got to understand sort of the frustration that people have trying to record some of this stuff yep. <laughs> but uh, it was just so strange and I had never seen anything like it and people tried to tell me afterwards I'd seen someone flying their drone around at 3 in the morning in the middle of nowhere <laughs> Right. And I was like no it didn't move at all like a drone or an airplane mm -hmm. or anything it just kind of zipped to one spot really really fast and hovered and sometimes illuminated a little bit of light and I don't know what it was you know I'm not saying it was the ET mothership or anything, but uh, right. it was definitely unlike anything I had ever seen, and have no explanation for. That is bizarre. How big was it? I mean, just from your perspective. Uh, it was hard to tell. I, I mean, I thought it was a star at first. Okay, was, so it's like, about the size of a star. star. Yeah, but it was way off in the distance, like mm -hmm. as far as we could see the tree line. So it was kind of hovering above the tree line and moving around. Right, and then it just kind of disappeared. Interesting. Was it was it white? 
it was white, but when we looked at it through the binoculars, we saw some kind of hues of green and red light in there oh. as well. Hmm. That's yeah. interesting. You don't yeah. usually hear about that. Yeah. yeah, that is that is weird. Huh. Well, yeah, I mean, very. that is very interesting, you know. I mean, normally, just from my, you know, my, my days of being a, a UFO investigator, um, you know, if somebody sees something in the sky that, you know, is the size of a star and is generally white. Um, yeah, well, and this is something a lot of people may not know, actually, is stars will actually, they, they have uh, a red and blue light that is visible if, if you stare at them yeah. long enough. Like there's red shift and blue shift, and you can see it somewhat with the the, the naked eye. So sometimes mm-hmm. people will stare at a star for for a really long time and They'll think that, that it's flashing colors mm-hmm. and stuff at them. Um, yeah. But uh, and, and they don't move. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and it was just it was just kind of part of the story of this property too. We called this farm Isabella because mm. that's the name of the county that's in in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jim had been called out there because the farm owners had been having so many weird experiences. Uh, Something was throwing rocks at their house, something was scaring their horses, they heard weird noises, they said other people in the area had also witnessed these kind of strange UFOs or whatever they Mm. were, Mm. and they had sometimes heard like strange growling and other noises outside, so it seemed like there's this kind of some strange stuff in general going on out there. Definitely seems that way, and and it's so fascinating too, uh, because here we have another example. And everybody listening to this is going to be familiar with with many of of these these types of areas that, that yeah. we've discussed before, where mm-hmm. you have this this uh, uh, sort of confluence of weird events happening. You know, you've got people uh, talking about um, behavior associated or or, or phenomena associated mm-hmm. with with hairy humanoids uh, meanwhile you know you've got weird lights in the sky yeah it's just that's that's always fascinating to me you know I and I don't know if you even have an, an opinion on this but I want to ask anyway so when it comes to those kinds of because uh, you, you certainly you've 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 noticed this I'm sure in in your work when it comes to that kind of intersectional phenomena you know like that sort of intersectional paranormal phenomena you know, do you think that there's some weird connection there? Is it a coincidence? I think so, just uh, based on, like, the number of case studies that have been presented to me where you see multiple phenomenon going on in the same place. So it seems likely that there is some connection. Uh, I, I certainly don't know what it could be, but, <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a lot of uh, reports that are similar to that of sightings and, you know, cryptid sightings along with ufos and other strange stuff oh yeah definitely and i and uh again really i mean that 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 is probably the only honest way to approach that is is by saying yes they seem connected no i don't know why so sure i i i totally get it you know speaking of i guess uh, connections yes connections (laughs) that's a great segue emily you nailed it (laughs) So, yeah, we're obviously going to segue to um, talk, discussing American Madness. And one of the questions I came up with was, you know, kind of as we were thinking about this episode is obviously we want to connect the idea of conspiracy theories with the paranormal because that is what our audience likes. But, I mean, 
just having gone to so many of your conferences and, you, you know, just being in the field and you know this too, there's obviously an intersection of these interests among, you know, most people who are fans of these, both of these subjects. Yeah, people in the paranormal love conspiracies and people in the conspiracy <laughs> world love yeah. the paranormal. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. why do you think this is? Uh, I mean, sort of the, the same love of mystery, I guess, of trying to seek out the unknown. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, there's definitely a lot of overlap. I mean, the most obvious example, I think, would be uh, UFO studies, of course, are pretty much the study of government conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was probably my first introduction to conspiracy theory at all, was reading UFO books and you know, hearing about the Majestic 12 or Area 51 and mm -hmm. all of these uh, alleged government secrets. So, I mean, it's very it's very exciting, too. Uh, if you think back um, to pre-pandemic when you had that raid Area 51, yeah. event, where all those people were going to raid it, I mean, it was goofy and all that, but I think there was sort of a genuine excitement. Mm -hmm. Like, what are they hiding in there? We want to know. So, um, yeah, I, it's... It intersects uh, in a good way sometimes or in a harmless way and but you know over the last year I've also been disappointed to see conspiracy intersect in kind of a, a bad way where I'm like oh I didn't I'm a little freaked out that yeah. QAnon, QAnon right. is creeping into the Bigfoot community and stuff like that you know I, I, I do know and and that's definitely something I, I think we wanted to, to, to talk about yeah um, because there, there, there is that that intersection, and, and and you're right. You know, I remember uh, ever since I was much younger, sort of being entertained by a lot of conspiracies. Much like yourself, I think I was probably first introduced to the the idea of these massive conspiracies through uh, UFO culture. And uh, you know, I remember there used to be this uh, little conference in Burlington, Wisconsin, uh, called the Vortex Conference. Sure, it was, yeah. yeah, it was run by, by uh, Mary and, and Brad Sutherland. And I I went there, uh, this would have been tw probably 12 years ago. I, I went like two or three years in a row. And, um, you know, I saw Stanton Friedman talking and, you know, he talked a lot about uh, Majestic 12 and, and sort of his work um, uncovering, um, well, just digging stuff up about Roswell and, and, and all of this other stuff that, that reportedly has been covered up by the, the the government. And I really think that was my introduction to to conspiracy culture. Mm -hmm. um, and it certainly seemed very innocent. And, and it was exciting and entertaining. And it was never, like, particularly my favorite thing. But it is something, I think, that's sort of endemic to the entirety of the the paranormal sphere and that you do see it in every single aspect from uh uh ufos to you know like you already mentioned uh like like bigfoot and and uh, i mean all all throughout uh people interested in encrypteds like that section of of paranormal mm -hmm. culture um, i'm trying to think okay actually can you think of a good or just any like uh, ghost or paranormal conspiracy. Like I, 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 I guess I don't mean paranormal. Like ghost or, or or haunting conspiracy. That's one that I'm I'm kind of struggling. Yeah, because that I think that's the one you hear the least about. It's true. Yeah, I can't. Um, I can't think of 
any that I've heard of, I guess I wouldn't be surprised at this point. You know, <laughs> there's got to um, be something. Yeah, if if you uh, if you like find some QAnon theory or something about ghosts and uh, because they they've infiltrated into different paranormal communities, mm-hmm. uh, they've infiltrated into the wellness community, yes. things like yoga, yoga and stuff. So. Mm. I don't know. I just hope I never run into a QAnon ghost investigation team, and <laughs> they're trying to t- tell me that ghosts are telling them that that Trump's gonna overthrow the government or something. Well, why don't we back <laughs> up know. some? But well, you never um, know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, why, why don't we back up just uh, a, a little bit? Like we we've, we've mentioned QAnon uh, more than once. Uh, could you walk us through? Uh, now I know there's a lot to this. Yeah. But, um, you know, if, if, if you had to uh, just give somebody a, a sort of brief explanation and some background on, on QAnon just to fill them in, yeah, I think I think that would be a good idea, just so things are in context. And if you could follow up with how you, you noticed it in the Bigfoot community at first, too, following that, that would be probably helpful. Yeah, uh, QAnon got started in 2017 um, in some of the dark corners of places like 4chan and, and Reddit and 8chan, they began to uh, say that there was a government insider named Q, and that Q was secretly giving out uh, information about a plan that Trump had in which he was going to expose this ring of uh, the pedophile cannibal Democrats who are secretly running the world along with, you know, uh, a lot of liberal villains like Hollywood and the media and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And that Trump has a secret plan where it called the storm where he's going to expose them and they're all going to be arrested and they're going to have to answer for these terrible crimes that they've committed. And when I first heard about it, you know, I don't know where I first heard about that, but I was like, okay, this is like, the real extreme conspiracy stuff and it's going to kind of live in a corner of, of the web mm-hmm. and and then it'll kind of disappear is what I thought however it just uh, continued to grow a lot very alarming um, became sort of mainstream to the point where you know we have at least one con- congressional representative Marjorie Green who has supported QAnon views in the past uh, and like we mentioned, it's um, it's infiltrated into a lot of places, churches, uh, the wellness community, uh, the paranormal community at times. Um, I first kind of became aware of this because uh, I was a member of a, a Bigfoot group on Facebook, um, a pretty big one. Uh, it's called Team Squatch in USA. I guess I'm not afraid to say the name of it <laughs> uh, and uh and i had i had joined this group years ago because uh working on the milwaukee paranormal conference uh you know at one point i was like i should join some of these larger paranormal groups on facebook uh because it would be a good resource you know as sure. far as promoting the event possibly finding guest speakers you know and so a bigfoot group i could be like Hey, we're going to have a presentation on Bigfoot. If you're in the Midwest, check it out. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think much about it. I would know, I would see notifications once in a while about um, a, a video someone had, had found or a news story or something. But then after the election, I started noticing more and more like Trump-orientated Bigfoot posts. And I was <laughs> like, 
wait, what's going on in this this group? Uh, and the group administrator says that he communicates telepathically with uh, a council of Bigfoots called the Zanu, and that they told him that even though it appeared Trump had lost, he actually had won, and he's going to take power, you know, in the near future. And uh, I was like, this is uh, not something I would expect to see. <laughs> and uh, and ever since that group has just been uh, a lot of people leaving the group. Mm. Understandably. Um, being like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people being like, yeah, right on, uh, Bigfoot, where we go one, we go all, which right. is like the QAnon slogan. So I was like, wow, there's a lot of people, a lot more than I thought, that are totally behind this uh, Bigfoot QAnon endorsement. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's that's quite the the party ticket. Uh, QAnon and Bigfoot, 20, <laughs> QAnon Bigfoot 2024. It's not yeah. JFK, it's Bigfoot. <laughs> right. We we will see now. Yeah, I, I guess sort of my when it comes to QAnon, what 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 I've seen. And and I I, I want to get your opinion on on this as well. It doesn't necessarily seem to me, at least broad strokes, that a lot of the conspiracy stuff that people are talking about associated with QAnon doesn't seem real new. You know, I I I think you would only have to go back. Well, you could go back as far as probably like, uh, behold a pale horse. You know, uh, Bill Cooper. And, and see a lot of the same stuff. Um, I think that, uh, personally, for whatever reason, maybe it's just the, the political zeitgeist of, of 2020 and now into 2021, but it feels like it's just more out in the open now. Like, it's yeah. gained this sort of mainstream movement, I guess, for lack of a better yeah. word. And I've noticed, too, like you were mentioning it in the yoga community. Um, I have a couple acquaintances who are yoga teachers, and they would mention to me, that they thought that their um, colleagues got into it because of a hashtag, Save the Children, mm -hmm. and they didn't really know what it was about. And then it just was a very gradual process, it seemed, in a way. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a very good point. Uh, Save the Children, you know, was, it was sort of like a QAnon Trojan horse or something, where they're like, all right, the media is starting to notice us, and there's a lot of bad bad articles about QAnon because of all the stuff that they believe that's completely outlandish. So um, they started circulating this hashtag and setting up events and people would go to this event because they were like, yeah, this is something I'm totally against, child trafficking. Right, who which is of it? course <laughs> is a terrible problem that really does exist. But they would go to these events and start ma marching and then notice that the people around them were all holding signs that had QAnon slogans on them. So, you know, they're, they're a lot like, you know, other extremist groups that are like, we're going to reach some people directly, uh, but then we're going to try to softly infiltrate in other ways by having a message that's a little bit more easy to digest, I think. Interesting. So it's sort of a, a recruitment tactic. Yeah, almost. exactly. I guess when it comes to QAnon then, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are people interested in, in conspiracies who probably aren't going to like this this word very much, but how closely then would you compare uh, QAnon in its tactics 
um, you know, when it comes to recruitment, when it comes to social isol uh, uh, isolation, encouraging people to not trust their their friends and families who who tell them that this stuff, as you said, is is outlandish and, and there's no evidence. Um, how much would you say that it compares to a cult, or at least a, a cult like mindset? Very much so. I, I would say it has all the definitions of a cult. Um, they have this charismatic mystical leader who is Trump uh, supposed to be Trump uh, along with his messenger Q whoever Q is and a lot of them have um, severed ties with their friends and family over this mm -hmm. you know they try to get them to believe this stuff and and when their loved ones are like no this is completely bonkers uh, then they just sort of abandon them and and you know the cult members are the other people who have this belief and you can see how uh, dangerous it is when you look at something like the January 6th uh, insurrection or right. as I've jokingly called it sometimes the coup d'etat oh that's uh, a good one nice uh, it's it's I mean they were willing to die for these ideas and some of them did die mm-hmm and so it's very cult-like, and I think that the approach now is going to be trying to deprogram some of these people much in the same way that you would with a, a different type of cult. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've, I've heard that uh, presented before, and, and it, it makes sense to me, you know, and, and, and that certainly seems like that's going to have to be the strategy going forward. You know, and, and I guess it kind of has us all asking, I mean, how do you go about deprogramming a movement, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you how do you do that on, on such a scale? Well, and, and here's the other thing. I, I, I want to mention one more thing about being like a cult, um, and this is where it has the biggest comparison, I think. If you look at a lot of classic cult studies, uh, they will predict a major event happening like the end of the world mm -hmm. is going to happen sure. or a UFO is going to land. Uh, and then when that event doesn't happen, some of the group will kind of fall out. They'll sort of be awakened and be like, oh, this event didn't happen. I was believing this thing that's completely untrue. But then you'll have the more hardcore people and, and those people will keep going and mm -hmm. they'll keep reinventing the story. So, for example, QAnon uh, thought that Trump was going to last minute actually be sworn in on January 20th, and that didn't happen, of course. So now there is like a hardcore contingency of them that say, oh, surprise, Trump's going to be sworn in on March 4th, because for a long time in our history, that was the actual date that presidents were sworn in. At right. some point, mm -hmm. they determined that that length of time between the election and the actual presidency was too much, so they shortened it to January 20th. But for a long time, that March 4th date was the inauguration date. So some people still believe that Trump is going to be sworn in. It's, it's uh, uh, what do they call it, uh, 4D chess, right? Yeah, something yes. like that. And didn't he hike up his hotel prices for yes. during yeah, that yeah. date? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or the, the Trump hotel did. They decided they would price gouge people who are showing up in Washington, D.C. on March 4th because they're expecting to see uh, another presidential inauguration. Well, that brings up another interesting aspect to this, I think, mm -hmm. um, which would be one of motivation. 
You know, like you sort of have to ask yourself, um, you know, why go through all of the trouble to mm -hmm. create this elaborate conspiracy? But then at the same time, you see people like uh, uh, Trump and other politicians who will actively support it. And, you know, like, well, they'll, they'll, they'll support it while they have their handout looking for campaign contributions. Right. So I guess, to, you know, like how much of this uh, started as uh, Internet trolling from, you know, some neckbeard on 4chan and how much of it at this point is being actively encouraged for financial gain? Very often you will see that behind conspiracies or the people that are uh, promoting them the loudest do have something to gain from it. If you take the example of Alex Jones of InfoWars, um, he, he's a millionaire and he's a millionaire because he has a website where he sells diet supplements and <laughs> doomsday prepper supplies and stuff like that. Uh, and to sell those, he needs to have web traffic. And to get web traffic, he just will rant and rave about any idea that pops into his head. And uh, people like Trump, uh, as I wrote about in my book, um, you know, Trump, uh, after he declared that he was running for president, one of the early stops that he made was on the Alex Jones show <laughs> on InfoWars. And it's because he knew that Alex Jones had this big audience um, that he could tap into. And uh, that's where he was really sort of clever in his campaign was he tapped into all of these different disenfranchised groups of people like conspiracy believers and, you know, other people that were sort of into those ideas. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I think we're really seeing that come to uh, fruition, on, mm -hmm. unfortunately, in a, in a very big, very mainstream way at, right. at this point, which is not something most of us really uh, enjoy. Um, but, you know, when it comes to this this uh, conspiratorial constituency that, that, that Trump has cultivated, how, how embedded do you see that being in the, the, the Republican Party at this point? I mean, is it possible to, to, to save the, the, the GOP or, or are we talking about, you know, basically an entire party now of, of people who are, are at least uh, when they're on camera supporting this QAnon conspiracy? Yeah, it, it's, it's really sad to see, I would say, because, um, you know, it, it looks like they're, I don't think that they agree with a lot of this stuff, but they're not willing to speak out against it. And right. they had a lot of opportunities to do so even very recently. Uh, Marjorie Green, you know, was uh, brought before Congress to be stripped of her committee assignments. And uh, it was like 11, 11 of, out of 200 some House Republicans voted that she should be stripped of her committee assignments. You know, and the other 199 uh, apparently it's, it's, just, it's cool with them that this person who has said school shootings are a hoax and uh, you know has promoted QAnon and has even said that some of her colleagues should have been hung like they're 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 totally okay with her sitting on uh, the House uh, Education and Labor Committee so fortunately the Democrats outnumbered them and she did get stripped of those assignments but she's still the congressional representative for her district in Georgia. Uh, 
uh, and Trump himself, you know, uh, Republicans have had a chance to say that it wasn't okay for him to rally up this crowd on January 6th, but they haven't done so. So I think you have a very small minority in that party now, people like Mitt Romney, um, uh, Dick Cheney's daughter, who are sort of the old school Republicans and would hope that their party returns back in that direction. Mm -hmm. But it's not looking like that's... They're outnumbered. Yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll have to, to wait and see with that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it. well, I guess that's probably straying a little bit further away <laughs> from the paranormal that I originally intended, but it's such an interesting subject it, it because is. we're literally watching sort of in real time. History. What, yeah, history and what very well could be the the literal fall and, and irreparable uh, uh, damaging of the the grand old party. I yeah. mean, it, it might not be a thing for, for much longer. Right. So, right. actually, that does bring up something that else that, <laughs> it, that's been on my mind. I, you know, whatever. People are just going to have to deal with it. We're talking about conspiracies. They're related yep. to politics. It's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, what What do you think are the are the odds that there is a, a, a schism in the, the, the GOP that leads to uh, you know, say like the the Patriot Party. People have been talking about that recently. Um, and if if that happens, I mean, is something like that, uh, uh, you know, like the the Patriot Party, if it ever actually happened, is that something we we need to take seriously? Um, and and what what the hell could we do about it? Yeah. Frankly. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a good question. Um, I think it's likely that could happen. I think that it's it's moving in that direction. Um, certainly, there's rumors already that Trump might be involved in a, a Patriot Party of some kind. And I mean, some of these people have gotten elected in, uh, like Marjorie Green and and others. So I think it, it, it's very possible, and and it should be very frightening because. It kind of is a slippery slope thing. Like, mm-hmm. what's next? Maybe we'll have a, a flat Earth party that will form, <laughs> you know, and right. and gain traction. So I, I don't know what can be done about it other than uh, people continuing to try to implement better education. I think, and I hope that a lot of schools start thinking about mandatory media literacy courses. That would yes. be great. Where, where people can learn about how to spot fake news and learn the difference between a legitimate news source and something like Infowars. Sure. Um, so, I, you know, that's all I can really think of is I hope that that becomes more of a thing. And it's, I mean, critical thinking just from, like, regular mainstream journalism could carry, that skill could be carried into, like, people who are interested in the paranormal, too. Yeah. Especially yeah, with absolutely. the prominence of, like, reality television. Sure. And those yes. expectations they get from it, and then they go read articles on the internet when they develop an interest, and I think a lot of times they're disappointed. Well, half the reason that we do what we do in the Singular Fortean Society is to help present people with paranormal news in in a way that is not, I guess, the usual BS that you yeah. find on the internet, which is a bunch of just unsourced creepypasta, right. you know. But... Uh, Anyway, you know, it's it's interesting, and, and this is something that, that you had, had brought up before um, in sort of talking about QAnon's recruitment tactics, and, and you mentioned specifically uh, things like 
you know child trafficking and and a big part of their their conspiracy deals with like satanic child trafficking which again like this is none of this is anything new you know back in the 80s uh, the satanic panic was huge like it was real there are still people wrongfully imprisoned over it you know i i would have hoped as a society we would have learned our lesson then we did not yeah. but uh, but 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 anyway you know like and, and we know that like pedophile rings do exist you know like mm-hmm. jeffrey epstein is a is 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 a great example of a terrible human being with uh, a lot of money did absolutely abhorrent things and and it those things are probably much much bigger than him and so i guess how do you separate the the conspiracy from the the actual uh, uh, terrible crimes of, of of people like Epstein? Like how do we, how do we separate those things and say, well, this is QAnon quackery, and this you know this actually right. happened. This this is terrible. Right. Yeah. Oh well, it is a very fine line a lot of times because most conspiracies do have some grain of truth to them you know they didn't uh come out of nowhere so um you know looking into it you just need to see what is fact and what is just speculation and i mean some things might seem like a conspiracy and later you find out that they're true but i would rather have it that way than determine something is true before you have the evidence if you know what i mean oh Um, absolutely yeah like you mentioned Epstein and of course everyone says that Epstein didn't kill himself uh, you know maybe that's a possibility uh, it certainly seems like there's some factors there that would lend to it you know he was very rich he could have paid people off there's mm-hmm. a lot of suspicious stuff going on but as of right now there is no like very conclusive evidence that that is the verified truth right. so you know could be true but uh, nothing to support it yet. Yeah, and, and and that's that's very fair, of 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 course. Um, you know, and I I think it really sort of speaks to the heart of the issue that we deal with in the paranormal community when it comes to conspiracies and that crossover. In that, in the the, the paranormal community, you have these phenomena that are largely unproven. Um, but a lot of people within the the community very much believe in them, and so you already have people who are, are are who hold these beliefs in things that are unproven, often because of personal experience. I'm I, I'm not I'm not going to tell anybody that that what they believe as far as the paranormal is concerned isn't true, mm-hmm. because a lot of it does come from personal experience and. Uh, and, and, and so just because it isn't proven yet doesn't mean that it, it's not a thing. But I think that you have people who are already primed to accept things that are not proven in the, the, the paranormal community specifically. And so when it comes to then conspiracies, maybe uh, they're, they're more willing to accept those. Yeah. Uh, and I also think, you know, there is a line. Um, so if someone comes up to me and says, I think that I saw a ghost. Okay, you know, I can I, I can hang with that and, and I wouldn't really judge that person. If someone comes up to me and says, I think that Hillary Clinton is eating babies and I'm going to raid her house with a machine gun, then it's a much <laughs> different story, you know? Right. It's like, uh, y- y- there's certain levels to 
crossing over that line. And I think it's really hard, though, sometimes. Uh, and and that's why it's a little bit concerning to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there are certainly degrees to, to these things, you know. Obviously, the, the, the difference between, you know, thinking that a person saw an apparition and, and uh, a person, um, you know, confessing to you their willingness to perform multiple felonies <laughs> uh, that's yeah I mean that's that that's that's a huge line mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and, and definitely nobody should ever cross it so you know we're talking about all these conspiracy theories and obviously the book closely follows the story of the Phantom Patriot Richard McCaslin and that story yes. kind of ended in your lap um, did you Did you always decide to have all these other conspiracies, American conspiracies, woven in between that narrative? Or was it a more recent decision based on kind of the climate in America? Uh, It was a little bit more recent. Um, So uh, Richard McCaslin uh, first contacted me in 2010. Mm-hmm. It seems uh, it seems so long ago. I mean, because it was, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, ten years ago. And, you know, he contacted me because I was working on this book about real life superheroes, and he sent me this message that said, "Hey, you might be interested in talking to me because I adopted the superhero persona, the Phantom Patriot, and I raided this place called the Bohemian Grove, and I said on fire." <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, what's going on?" <laughs> and uh, I think, you know, when I was first getting to know him, the story was of interest to me because it was just a wild and eccentric story. Oh, yeah. With a, a total character in the center. And I wanted to know all about his life. And he had a very interesting life with a lot of twists and turns. And it was very unusual. Uh, and I was writing a little bit about some of the conspiracy theories that he would tell me about Mm -hmm. but then it definitely definitely evolved uh and like i was saying earlier when i saw that trump had gone on to alex jones show i was like wait a minute this is the guy who inspired richard mccaslin to do this raid on the bohemian grove Mm -hmm. and here's a presidential candidate who's sitting on his on his radio show so I was like, huh. And then uh, there was this Pizzagate incident where mm. a guy raided a pizzeria in Washington, D.C. And it was uncanny in how similar his story was to Richard's. He had also believed this conspiracy, Pizzagate, uh, that there would be children that were you know, shackled in the basement of this pizzeria that were child sex slaves. And he got very upset about that. Uh, much in the same way that Richard was upset because he thought that they were uh, having captive people in the Bohemian Grove, that they were going to sacrifice in front of a statue of an owl. Mm-hmm. Um, so they both were were very inspired by that. And um, I pitched it to my publisher, Feral House, who published this book. Uh, and, and the editors there are great. And they said, you got to try to connect Richard's story to this bigger uh, conspiracy theory culture in America that seems to be rapidly like getting worse and worse mm-hmm. um, and so uh, you know that's kind of where the book ends is where I talk about um, Donald Trump and Roger Stone and uh, QAnon a little bit and uh, some of these other things that have be become um headline news all the time sort of over this book came out in 2020 
mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, I wonder if there's going to be any conspiracy stories in 2020 that I can <laughs> oh, man. Book into. Uh, and as it turned out, that wasn't a problem. Uh, a lot of people I wrote about in the book are in the news all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, QAnon, uh, anti-vax stuff, Alex Jones, Trump, of course. It just, like, stewed and turned into this big explosion of conspiracy over the last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I, I think that the, the book in a lot of ways was sort of prescient, really. Yeah. Um, in, in, in predicting the, you know, how... How big of an issue conspiracy theories were, were going to become, and and you know it, it it seems like, well you know as a journalist I think you 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 have a sort of talent for for tapping into the the the, the current zeitgeist you know sort of mm-hmm. seeing the way things are, are are going which is sort of how I explain the to myself like in my in 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 my head canon that. That's that's how I explain, you know, you you coming up with the, the the idea at just the right time to write this book, but it really yeah. is uncanny how relevant it is. Yeah. Frankly, like it's it's an important book, I think. People people need to need to see it. Um Emily, do you have, Oh, go ahead, T. Well, I was just going to say, you know, it, one of the really fascinating things was to see sort of the evolution of the story, mm. because when I first met Richard or started talking to him in 2010, mm-hmm. he was really the very stereotypical conspiracy guy. He was a, a lone wolf, you know, he had all these beliefs, and I was like, wow, this guy's really like the fringe of society. Mm-hmm. But fast forward to today, and you see a scene like that uh, capital insurrection, and it's uh, it's no longer just some like lone guy sitting in his his basement or whatever. Uh, it's like a whole army of conspiracy yeah. theorists, you know. And it's a lot to do with social media, I think, and people being stuck inside during the pandemic, and and you know interacting online, and uh, it's just grown into like this massive problem instead mm-hmm. of some isolated people here and there that might be potentially dangerous. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I think that's a really, really good point, too. Um, you know, I, consider what Timothy McVeigh could have mm. been with in, in Internet, you know, oh, frankly. And, and and what that, like, the, the people he was associated with, what that could have grown into back then you know i think we're sort of i i think we're seeing sort of the 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 direct response almost to to that uh culture you know Mm -hmm. but under or with the influence of the internet and the the added uh ability of the internet to just sort of spread you know nationwide planet-wide frankly right yeah it's something else and the internet like it's been such a great tool for all of us like especially in the paranormal community we can find like-minded individuals we can plan conferences it's great yeah but you know i don't think that this community without it would have ever i don't think we would have seen things like the sixth if we didn't have the internet and obviously a lot of platforms have chosen to not host these ideas anymore whether it be like you know suspending usership or just taking down forums or whatever and i guess my thought having written this book now and having seen how things how things unfolded and how they continue to unfold where is your interest now like obviously it was a very fascinating story that you were handed like that's a really cool opportunity like would you con- 
continue to dig deeper given the opportunity? Um, yes and no. It, it, it was very exhausting uh, working <laughs> on this book sometimes, you know, because uh, I liked Richard, but his ideas were just so hard to, to process. And um, I just, I felt really bad that he was, you know, progressively like just going down this this dark path so mm -hmm. it was making me like a little bugged out myself by the end I was glad that the book was done but then you know I ended up uh, I do a weekly column on my website called Tease Weird Week and last year uh, I, I also wrote a lot about conspiracy in my column just mm -hmm. because the book was out and I was trying to promote it but also it was just you know everyday news uh, and I was like, I, I kind of have some knowledge about this, so I want to write what's going on this week, not just mm -hmm. uh, what was going on in the last 10 years. I think, thankfully now, uh, this year, I kind of got my last conspiracy column out, out of my system, and now <laughs> I'm trying to return the column to just walk, uh, talking about kind of random, interesting, unique people uh, mm -hmm. in, in my column, for a while at least, you know, uh, stuff that I love that isn't so heavy. Mm -hmm. Understandable. Um, oh, evolution. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That, that that came to me like 10 minutes Words later. Words are hard. Oh, boy. Yeah, my, my whole life is hard. Um, <laughs> uh, so actually, you know, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask. Of all of the the conspiracies you've examined at at this point, were there any like any at all that that sort of well, I mean, made you think like any that any that that you thought well, hey, you know, maybe 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 that's possible. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I, I would definitely say a lot of the UFO stuff, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I, I think that we're starting to see that kind of unravel right now you know yeah. I, i'm excited i think that we're gonna be seeing some new information soon i hope but that to me is 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 not realistic i mean it's the most realistic mm. uh not every single ufo case of course but i, th I think there that there is something there and um you know it's uh, it's not just people's imagination so oh, sure. that's the story i'm excited about yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, since the New York Times published that article in 2017, uh, informing everybody about ATIP, and and then you know you had Lou Elizondo and mm -hmm. and, and everybody else coming out and, and talking about it, and uh, sort of the the slow disclosure that's happened since then with all of, I mean, really with our, our own government confirming that yes, they have had a, a very strong interest in UFOs. And then lying about it, and then being caught lying about it, like it's—I uh, mean—that's the fun kind of conspiracy. That's the kind of conspiracy yeah. like I can get behind. Um, and it, yeah, you're right; it has been absolutely fascinating, uh, just just the best. And that I think is a nice, bright note to to kind of end our otherwise, you know, kind of dark. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed chat. it. We could go I enjoyed on forever. It, too. it was it was good, but. But, uh, uh, it, it, it's a dark subject, you know, but it, it's something I feel like people have got to um, get a grasp of because it's really affecting uh, everyone's lives in some way. So True. No, you're absolutely yeah. right about that. Oh, absolutely. So where can people find you, T? Like, um, do you have any news on the Milwaukee conference? Where can they find your books, your website, all that good stuff? 
Yeah, uh, the best place to go um, is my website, which is tkrulos.com. And I have tabs about all of my books so far. Uh, and that's where where I write my weekly column, T's Weird Week. So, um, and that's updated with stuff that I'm doing, you know, in the near future and stuff too. Awesome. Very cool. And uh, you have a podcast now. Is, is yeah. that right? Yeah, I just started, uh, you know, uh, this was a pandemic project that I finally got around to. <laughs> I wanted to do a podcast for a while. Uh, so just started a few weeks ago with the Tease Weird Week podcast. Uh, and it's fun. It's me and my friend Heidi talk about weird news, and I interview people sometimes. And mm-hmm. We have uh, local bands play music at the end, so it's fun. Very cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, everybody should check that out for sure. Uh, also, everybody, uh, you know, I really think people would, would enjoy uh, Monster Hunters. I really think people would enjoy American Madness. I mean, frankly, all of T's books. Apocalypse Any Day Now. That's a great one that I completely forgot. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Didn't you put out a Wisconsin um, history and lore book recently uh, as well? Yeah, Wisconsin Legends and Lore is a, a little book with some classic uh, tales from here in Wisconsin. Yeah, definitely fun. You might even see a, a you know brief appearance by the Singular Fortean Society in there. So. Shameless plug. Yes, definitely check that out as well. <laughs> well, yeah, T, honestly, this was a fascinating discussion. Um, you know, Emily and I love talking about this stuff. Uh, you know, we have interests outside of the, the, the paranormal, and this is definitely one of yeah. them. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much, man. Like this was oh, uh, this you. was a lot of fun. It's good to see you. I'm hoping that we can chat in person someday. Yeah. A <laughs> pandemic blows over. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to grab a beer somewhere for sure. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it's good to see you on the computer screen at least. <laughs> for <laughs> you sure. too, man. And to everybody else who's listening, stay weird. Keep it weird, everybody. We'd like to give a special thanks to Andrew Frisk and Dylan Burnett for helping make these episodes possible. Thanks, guys. We couldn't do it without you.